Hey, good morning. Come on in. And um, we don't have any lights again, so just make sure as you come in, don't worry, we're not setting a mood. Stay maybe a little lower. Yeah. And uh, so we are going to be covering this this passage. I'm sort of the, the wrap-up crew, I guess. This is the last joint Sunday school. And I figured uh, Matt asked me to do this one, I thought because it was most likely the easiest, right? You know, Jay's teaching. He's the only guy I got on the schedule. Let's give him the easy one, you know. You're right, because isn't it? It's like light of the world. It's easy. It's like, it's very apparent, right? Light, everyone gets it. So uh, it's going to be a short class today. Not much to talk about. So uh, maybe as you come in, uh, just ask you a few questions. And feel free to get close or far, I guess. And, and I'll, I'll walk all the way down to call on you. So you can't hide Peter Campelli. Hey, Pete, why did you come today? Worship God. Interesting. Good answer, maybe? There's no uh, wrong answer, I guess, but there is one right answer. Does that make sense? So you can give any answer, and it'll be a good one. But there is a right answer I'm looking for. So Tim Bleeker, why did you come today? <laughs> I mean, part of the body. That's good. I always want to call him Scott Owens because he walked in last. The question is, the question is, why did you come today? Good answer. It's not a wrong answer. Right? Good answer. Not the one I'm looking for. Rob. And? Oh, I love that. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, you get a golden star. I got some munchkins in the back. You can have a few. <laughs> good, good. Let's see. Who else can I call on? Becky, why did you come today? You are the light of the world. I like that answer. Good answer. Good answer. You are the light of the world. Did anybody look at the passage today before you came? Because you were studying, because you wanted to keep up with the flow? Because we're on that passage, right? You are light of the world. Who can read that one for me? You know where it is? Somewhere in Matthew. Zone in on chapter 5. Keep going. Okay. Excellent, excellent. So a couple things I was looking to hear maybe on why do you come? You know, sometimes we get into this, uh, I came because uh, I had to go with my parents. I don't have a ride, and I'd look foolish if I stayed home, or I'd be disobedient, or I'd be not a Christian, or I'd, you, could do a whole, you could go through a whole lot of things there, right? So now the reason you come is because you're guilty. What a horrible, terrible thing. Isn't it not true, though, sometimes? Because your answer is, why did I come? It was because, well, I'm just not sure I can say no. It's a horrible way to think, but I bet you thought it, right? I did when I was a kid, a lot. It's terrible. Uh, I was looking for things that would be facts, because we don't seem to always work with facts in our lives. We work on emotions. I came because I didn't have a headache, and I was doing okay, so I'm in church. And you could take 30%, the 30% that do go to church on Sunday, you could take of that in New England, that's about, you know, about the right amount of people who actually wake up and go. Well, of those, how many go because they felt good that day and they didn't feel bad? Right? Mark, you were going to say?
should be one. Ah, change the question a bit, and it turns the answer. There is. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And those church functions are all good things. Right? They're not bad things. Yeah. 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 There's that perspective that something else is so much better. Huh? But it's a really good point. Hold that in the air for a minute. Just keep that thought that there's all these good things to be part of, that our church, that churches, that Christians do things that are good, that are um, even holy many times. Right? They are, we're thinking a bit of it about light, but just hold that there because there's an opposite to that. There's a corollary to that. Because there are things that are not that uh, pleasant that people do. And so getting back to this fact that there's a fact, one other fact that I think people try to ignore, and that is that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Right? So why would you come today? Because the simple fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I'm going to put a place, placeholder here, there, because it's all about our view, our view of, there we go, I got my sticky notes, and I'm going to put down here, anybody like Rhett Walker Band? No, you don't know who they are? All right, all right. So um, Rhett Walker Band, they're just, they have this one song, uh, and he uses the word, Lord, you know, he, he paraphrases, a lot of people say it's JC, right, Jesus Christ, or... You know, they sing songs and poetic. He calls him Lord Jay. Lord Jay, you make me whole. Now, now it's nothing, I'm not saying this about me. Uh, but, so we've got LJ. So I'm putting LJ up there. And I'm going to put LJ right here. Okay, so, uh, based on what you think about LJ, Right is is sometimes what is is how you behave, right? And how we respond to our understanding of Lord J is what we do. And there was this great video that came out. I don't know if you saw it. Olstein, anybody know Joel Olstein? Hand raised. Just do a quick survey. Great. Do you know his wife, Victoria? Right. She said, you know, she had this great quote during a worship service that, you know, you come because because you do good not to worship the Lord, but, but because, because it makes you feel good. Because it's all about you. It's like, it's, I do good things because, guess what? God is happy when I, I am doing good. He is, it was amazing. And you can go look it up on YouTube. It's just a wonderful thing. But it's the view of Lord Jay right there is, is so diminished that he takes pleasure in us doing our good works. And yeah, maybe you can twist around what she was saying back into the gospel somehow, you know. But at its plain face, it's very difficult. Let's see if the Currens, uh, how they answer when I ask Matt, ask Matt, why did you come today? There's a big secret going on right now because everyone got a chance to answer. And we're going to listen to how you answer. Why did you come today? You woke up in the morning, you got that cool buzz head all set, you're looking all sharp, you know, what was the first thing in your mind about coming today? Why'd you come? There you go, great, all right. So it's not like a wrong or right or wrong answer, you sort of pass anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you sort of pass. So, so it's really important to sort of set the stage which is uh, that uh, you know, Jesus Christ is Lord. It's a fact. And he then says at the end here, 
you go through the, the Beatitudes and you get to the conclusion, all of a sudden he says, I am, you are light of the world, right? And there's something a little disturbing about all that, right? What, what's disturbing to you about him saying, you are light of the world? He says, in John, I'm a light of the world. I think uh, if you look at some of the commentators, they, they put that statement a little bit after this statement. That Sermon on the Mount happened just be, you know, before he even said that. But you know, uh, let's see, Sunday school answer. We kind of check on. Good Sunday school answer. I kind of made fun of Peter earlier. We've got to keep kind of mixing it up here. Uh, yes. Right. So, so in John, he says, uh, I am the light of the world. My Sunday school question is, who made the world? Huh? Oh, oh, wow. We got a couple answers going. Come on, I want a winner. Well, Jesus. Right? In him, all things were made. Through him, not a thing was made that was made. So, wow, you got, you got Lord Jay, who all things were made through him, and he says, I am the light of the world. You can kind of figure that one out. That's awesome. And then he says, you are the light of the world. Punch. Oops. So, Sandy, you mentioned that we reflect his glory. So, so that's, that's certainly true. So we want to tease that out a little bit. But I, I will have to say we reflect his glory uh, based on our opinion of our opinion of Lord Jay. Right? So another sticky. We, um, need, I need more color. All right, I'll use this for black because I'm never sure where our opinion of him is. All right. So our view, our opinion... Maybe another thing here. We'll get another one first before we go on. All right, so this is C for confidence. Do you see the C? I know these are small, but you see the C? All right. So where do you think most of our confidence lies on the Richter scale? I'll lower this a little bit so I can reach. You can all tell I'm a short guy, right? So you can barely see this now. It's barely above the pulpit. Okay, so I want to be able to reach above. I want to reach below. Okay, so, uh, you know, vote. Where should I put this where you feel us as a congregation have our confidence in Christ? Uh, above is super high. Here, really low, really just average and super low. So I'm going to move it and tell me to stop. Wow, I like that. Keep going? I feel this is a little bit like Price is Right. It's a little Come on, Bob, move it up there. Huh? All right, maybe I think I got a sense that everyone's sort of saying, feeling comfortable with this right here. Not quite, not quite perfect average. Not low, high. I, does anybody have a little tape? <laughs> Just once. I think you're right. Little uh, little hint for people: if you don't have nice little markers and stuff, and you have to make presentations, carry them with you. Because you show up at places, and and they have this nice whiteboard, and they don't have these. So if you bring your own. Hey, great. I'll bring my own. All right, so. Yeah. Really good point. 
uh, and, and there's this, it, that's borne out in statistics. If you look at stats, uh, New England has regular church attendance at 29% uh, of the population would say that they regularly go. But then if you look at those statistics, those who report that they go don't actually go uh, regularly. So it's even lower. So, you know, knock it down to 20%. And of those who are Christian, probably 70% of those, so you're knocking it down to 15%. So why did I say you are the light of the world uh, and sort of declare that and, and say, yeah, that's, that's really true, is because the light shines in the darkness. You showing up this morning says that there's something about you that is the light of Christ. You haven't gone somewhere else. You haven't slept in. Right? There's a, there's, there, you are the light of the world. It cannot be hidden. By doing this, there is that light. And whoever comes by and, and overhears it, well, they're hearing uh, the light. It is being exposed. It's something right? that's, that's vocal. Um, and, and we'll hold this tension, Marg, between actual, right, what, what we want, like we, we want to worship in our hearts, and then what we actually do and what we believe, right? We'll hold that tension as we kind of go through today. Yeah, right, absolutely. Okay, so uh, leaving today, you know, we, we, we started off a little bit here uh, with some fun and games and feeling a little queasy about questions I'm asking. But leaving today, um, I'm hoping that you will agree that you are the light of the world, that you will have confidence walking out the door, that uh, you indeed are that representative. That's what I would hope. And uh, something to also recognize is that you're not alone because our church does this together, but we're also standing on the shoulders of so many other great men and women who have gone before us, who were lights of the world, right? There's slavery that has been abolished. I mean, think of big, big things and people who have stood because they were Christians, because they wanted to affect the world around them. These are big, some big shoulders we can stand on and have confidence in. So leaving today, I want you to have that confidence. There's also um, I want you to be challenged. So there's two sides of it. Yeah, you are the light of the world. You showed up today. Uh, there's something different that you're doing that somebody else isn't doing. And you're doing it because there is a fact that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. All of that is true. And at the same time, when you wake up many times, you don't have the same urgency, challenge, right? When you wake up, the things that you organize your day around, how are they organized? Are they to be lights of the world or not? Are they to be salt of the earth or not? So I'd like you to be both encouraged and challenged, right? You should see both sides of it as well. Okay, so we read through uh, the Beatitudes. Uh, we just read through the course of them, and I thought uh, we had a good... By the way, anybody recognize this, that stat about 29% go to church? In your, in your everyday encounters, do you find people who kind of regularly go to church? Yeah, yeah. it's my sense that not many think it's important, much less go to a Sunday school that's before church, right? So, so you kind of kind of keep winnowing it down. Yes, sir. Right. Exactly. I, I fully agree. I fully agree. Okay, so as we, uh, anybody can sum up, uh, Andre, you, you'd be a good one for this because you did this. Take us through. Take us through just the beatitudes as we read them. Like, what's the progression through there? Just generally, high level, high level.
Yeah. Yeah, there's this flow of recognition then of our life in Christ. Right? Those things that we've covered previously were all that. We get to this conclusion at the end, and he goes, you know, you're the salt, and you are light. And uh, this Scott put it interestingly. Uh, it's kind of like this one, two, three step, kind of like that. He says this. First, first this, you know, this is the way we ourselves will be blessed. The Beatitudes identify those whom God declares to be blessed, those who please him, and who themselves find fulfillment. True blessedness is found in goodness and nowhere else. Secondly, this is the way the world will be best served. Jesus offers his followers an immense privileges of being the world's salt and light, if only they will live by the Beatitudes. And thirdly, this is the way God will be glorified. Here, towards the beginning of his ministry, Jesus tells his disciples that if they let their light shine so that their good works are seen, their Father in heaven will be glorified. And at the end of the ministry in the upper room, he will express the same truth in similar words, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So there's this progression, right? This is what, why are these Beatitudes so convicting and so enlightening? It's because they reflect our life in Christ and the ultimate glorification uh, of God. So that, that is sort of the, the, the setup. And the, the challenge here is that we are commanded then also to be light. So the Beatitudes start off with this, you are, you know, blessed are you when, and then it turns to uh, really a command, right? You are salt. There's no longer, and, and this is a bit convicting, right? It's no longer, hey, uh, if we kind of organize ourselves pretty good, uh, that, um, that, that you, you will have a better relationship with God, actually turning out towards these images of salt and light. And for those of you who came late, we don't have lights. And I didn't do this on purpose, right? But I guess you could convict me of, of being that way. And, and so, you know, you know, we have to bring other means to lighten ourselves. But, but you are light of the world, right? And is that bright? It's a little <laughs> that is, isn't it? I'm trying to get all the currents at once. It's hard. I need a wide, wide beam. I like this one. This is the one that we have in our house for emergencies. Because it does something like, you know, this, right? And it kind of gets it all. Anyway. So, but, you know, we, you know, last week talked about, um, Mike talked about the, the, the nature of salt, salt preserving, and light, light exposing. And we'll just talk about those a little bit briefly. But the core of it is that it means that, that it's, it's active. And it's, something you do. It's not passive. And I think that will be a challenge. So as we leave here, that will be the challenge that you take along. I'd like you to take along, anyway. Um, here's to pick up or drop as you would, but uh, we're commanded. Uh, it's, uh, let's see, let me just pull out a good one here from D.A. Carson. So this is D.A. Carson. He writes, uh, Implicit in the Beatitudes now, something implicit, emotive, implicit in the Beatitudes now becomes an explicit theme. That is that the believer as a witness. Um, to see how this works out, we must recognize that it is impossible to follow the norms of the kingdom in the purely private way. The righteousness of life you live will attract attention, even if that attention uh, regularly takes the form of opposition. In other words, the Christian is not poor in spirit, mournful over sin, meek, hungry, and thirsty for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, a peacemaker, all in split and isolation. These kingdom norms, diligently practiced in a sinful world, constitute a major aspect of Christian witness, and this witness gives rise to persecution. Nevertheless, the conduct of Jesus' disciples needs to be considered in its effect on the world, just as the opposition of the world has been considered in effect on the Christian. Therefore, Jesus develops two, these two metaphors. Um, and so, so it's like we don't have an option. And, and yet, it's this, it's this com, you know, it's, a, it's sort of compelled, right? It's a little bit of a burden, but we know that in other places, Jesus says our burden is 
so there is this, I got a burden to be a witness, but I'll take it back to your view of, oh, Jesus, right? They're gone. <laughs> I like that one. Think, think of the, I won't write on the wall this thing, just think. Our, our, our view, our confidence in Christ really reflects uh, wh- how we feel about that burden, who takes that burden, and how we live through that burden. Uh, so, okay, Mark. choices we make, people are watching, it, it matters. And that's the point about the witness. There, it it do isn't hidden. This is the challenge. And so let's keep that in the thought. And, and I want to just bring up another topic here, which is uh, ab- about what he's talking about in the you and the they, right? The world. He, he gives these two sides. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Stop, put it this way. It's real, real clear. So I'll just read this one. Uh, the basic truth which lies behind these metaphors and is common to them both is that the church and the world are distinct communities. On the one hand, there is the earth, and on the other hand, there is the you, who are salt of the earth. On the one hand, there is the world, and on the other hand, there is you, who are the world's light. Through the two communities, they and you, are related to each other, but their relatedness depends on their distinctness. It's important to assert this clearly in our day in which it is theologically fashionable to blur the distinction between the church and the world and refer to all mankind indiscriminately as the people of God. Everyone made by God, so we're all in it. And then furthermore, the metaphors tell us a little something about the community. And so let's, let's talk about that just briefly. Um, and this is going back to the view of Lord J. So many times our view of Lord J is diminished because there's something that we think about in the world that, that is redeeming. And in this metaphor of salt, just think about salt, right? I've got a big slab of meat. I don't stick a slab of uh, salt on it, and I stick it out in the hot sun. A couple days later, what's happening to it? Maybe not in the sun, maybe just hanging out anywhere. What's going to happen to it? It starts, you know, decaying and all this kind of stuff. What comes on it? Maggots. Oh, yeah. So we, um, we went fishing at the Cape, and we get the carcasses and, like, flay them up. We got a lot this, this year. So we had to take the carcasses, all this stuff, throw fish bones, throw them in the back somewhere in the woods. And when, you, when we kept going by the, 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 the fish every day to the beach, we would see the progression of what happened, and, and it was really cool. 
you know, you saw it sort of just all dug up, right, Josh? Josh loves this. Uh, we had like three catching days that were good, and so the first day you saw where it was, second day, third day, just these progressions, and, and you see all the stuff that's still on them, and then all of a sudden it matched, you see these things creeping and crawling around them, and then you see the maggot ball, and not going to get too much into that, but it is what it is. It's moving, and it's, wow, holy cow, this thing's really decomposing. It's gross. And it's something you don't want to touch, you don't want to eat. It's horrible. So, so that's the world. You're the, or that's the earth, rather, in, this meta in the metaphor from last week. That's the world. Really? And when we come here, we're reminded from words and looking at scripture of who we're following, and we understand a little better about who God is, and we're vaccinated, as it were. And we kind of go out a bit, and I don't know if we lose the vaccination or lose the salt, but some of that stuff looks pretty good. Or I think about the people we meet. You know, are, are they earth? You know, do they have do they have something that's good in their lives that keeps them going outside of Christ? The Bible says no. It is putrid. It's not redeemed. There's nothing in it. And I think many times when we start going out, you know, or we lose our saltiness or something happens where we're like, uh, you know, that guy's okay. You know, he's got his act together. Uh, I don't think he needs Christ. In some ways, it's not that we overtly talk that way. I think we behave that way many times. Right, Mark? People that are friendly, that, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, keeping, it's keeping our view of who, this, who Jesus really is. It's back to what's our view of Jesus, and how does that affect how we behave and, and live every day? What do we do about that? Um, they're, they're um, you know, just as salt... Right, it, there's this description of putridness on one side, so hold that. But we've got to start thinking that way, that there's putrescent, countryside lovers? Filth, slime, muck, putrescence. Watch the movie, you see the scene, it's really fun. But it's putrid, right? And in the same way that, that there's darkness. You're the light of the world. Can't be hidden. But that that the, the darkness piece is that it's truly dark. It's not redeemed. Right? And what is uh if we're thinking about these two contrasts, between salt and and uh putrescence, who wins? When salt's applied to things, does putrescence win out or does salt win out? Salt. When things are dark and there's a light, what wins? These are really core things. And imagine, take yourself back, right, back when we didn't have electricity, and you're a traveler from somewhere, 
long path and valley, and you're looking for a resting spot, and it's dark, and all you see are stars. You've been in black places where you see beautiful stars. And it's wonderful. But you're looking for a home because you're cold and hungry. What do you look for? Light. You're going to see it. You're not going to see it first, but you're going to see, most likely, a reflection off the clouds. Right? You see this as you drive along. You can look in the distance, and you see a, a village. You know there's a village over that way because there's a bunch of lights. And you're like, oh, man, it's coming off. Wow, we got a lot of light. Uh, there's a village that way. You know this. This is pretty straightforward kind of stuff. Imagine when there was no electricity, you saw the lights. You're like, oh, home. So think about you are the light of the world. Does it mean necessarily that you're going to be sharing Christ with everybody every day? No, you might be the light that they see over the hill, right? That gay guy, he did something good. That Scott guy did something good. Dana's a really nice lady. Do they say that back in the day? No. Dana's a really nice lady. I wonder what, I, what it is about Dana. Like the light is somewhere. Um, quick story, my boss made songs. He put a song collection together for all of his workers and uh, gave them to us. So we got all this, we got the CD of his chosen songs. And there's a reason that they, they, they pick songs for different people. So um, he picked for me a good old song by John Denver. Sunshine on my shoulder. Huh? Cool. I think he saw it a little bit. I could have said, ooh, that's a little insulting because some other guy got some cool songs. <laughs> I got like John Denver. But think another way. I'm like, wow, he kind of sees it. Um, so think, yeah, Scott. Go for it. Mm. Yeah. Andy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Divine protection plan. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, let's let's tease a, a few of those concepts out. Uh, I, you know, I like um, James Boyce talks about uh, this in this passage that. Um, uh, let's see. That you know, if we if we think about light generally that it's coming into a world to men, women who thought they had it. So it's not, it's, it's one of these ideas where, um, it, and, and I think that we've, we can resonate with that a little bit, right? It comes to a set of Jews who thought they were the chosen people, right? It comes in the presence of people who thought they were light and good people. It's, it's not absent of that. And it just happens to be that Jesus Christ is brighter. It's, it's more illuminating. It's a higher view of who Jesus is. The one through all, all things were made has come, and he came to be a servant. So Andy, back to your point. 
what are the things that we do? The Beatitudes talk about our life in Christ. They don't talk about you being perfect. It doesn't talk about us, you know, uh, always doing the right thing. It talks about us, our life in Christ. Blessed are you when, right, meek, you know, when, when you mourn, when you are someone who depends on Christ. You've elevated your understanding of who Christ is, and you are living in that before other men, that they might see your good works in Christ and glorify the Father in heaven. Right? There's this conclusion which is glorify God. Enjoy him forever. These are, the, these are our conclusions, but it comes back to our life. What do we do? And then, and then what, are we, what are we? We're light. Um, another commentator put it this way, right? Sun shines, that's Christ. When the moon comes up, right? I mean, that's the light of Christ, you know, and that's us. So the moon, we're more like moon, and uh, the real thing is there, and we're, you know, which will burn up all things at all times. There is um, this great theologian, also from Canada, who, by the way, sends his greetings, James Glover. So, you know, he, you just brought up, his, his thoughts was that, here's James, that it's something also comes from outside. So light isn't something that's generated from within that you feed yourself, of course, but to a dark world, it comes to them. Which means the light has to go out. Who's that? Us! Oh, no! Ah! You know, right? Like, the, these conclusions are pretty burdensome in a way. That it does affect us. You know, though darkness is impacted by the light, it isn't drawn to the light. It runs from the light. Sin, right? Evil. So many passages that, that talk about exposing the darkness exposing evil. Don't even talk about it, right? Ephesians. Don't even talk about it. That's detestable, but expose it. Right? Mike, you were going to say Right. have the responsibility of sharing it. Uh, we're sharing it, though, right? It's not something that we have to gen up ourselves. It's back to our understanding of who Christ is, made all things, and he's the one who died for us. Wow, how, how much confidence can I have in that? How much courage do I have in that? What am I going to do about that? And uh, uh, let's see, this one is Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones, good, good little... Um, review this goes along with what you're saying, uh, Mike, was uh, he writes, we must go even further than understanding that we're light. However, our Lord not only pronounces that the world is in a state of darkness, he goes so far as to say that nobody but a Christian can give any helpful advice. Think about that one. Let's sink in a minute. So... We have a lot of people who do good, who do good things. They do do good things. Those are good things. Um, helping people, the poor, the needy. We're commanded to do that, too. Um, it's though that the remedy, the light, is not us. It's Christ, right? The conclusion is, isn't that that, you know, we're to be perfect, to do all these things. It's for us to depend upon God and do all those things that he was just speaking about before he gets to the salt and light. 
All those things are repentance. They're dependence. They're understanding who Christ is and our and and who we are in Christ. Those behaviors are the things that elevate and raise um, our His position before other men. And yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How do we how do we equip ourselves? What do we believe uh, will will uh, enable us to, to follow those commands? It's the body. It's not outside. And and if you think that way as well, as we leave today, what are the things we need to do about it? Well, it could be that you gather together more often. Um, do things that, that church has been trying to do forever. Little things like pray on Monday morning, or some common prayer time amongst each other. There is one, by the way, on Monday morning, seven seven o'clock at at the Water Club, and uh, and it's been one we've been trying to do with the church for a long time. But I think that the things that that we do about it, what we actually end up doing, are will have direct and good results. It will bring us together. It will keep us not separate, doing this alone. Uh, it will give us more courage and confidence doing it together because he works amongst us. Yep. Yep. Your good works are to his glory. Right? The conclusions of all that. Um, the, um, the, 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 the other kind of two couple things, right? Boyce points out that sometimes the heresy that Americans have is that they see themselves as saints more than real-life sinners. Right? We try to live perfect before a dying world, and that's and we're dying ourselves. Right? It's only our dependence on Christ. Um, and uh, there's one more. And it's also we get confused. Two other areas. Um, one of them is politics, and then bleed into that right and wrong. So we seem to either sometimes fall in a political divide, especially in New England, and this this we get confused with the gospel and politics. And to unravel that, we need to be pointing back to Christ. Right, the things that we do are are because of who we love. And that's, once again, Christ, our confidence in him. Now, that could bear itself out. I mean, you can choose any political party. It doesn't matter, right? In America, it's great. Uh, it's what we do about it. What do we say about our political affiliations? And I think it would say more about what we're doing in those political affiliations than what we're affiliating with. Right? What are we doing in them? And that's pointing back to what's the work in, what are we, what are we doing? Because this is and not, once again, back to the beginning, it's not a passive passive it's convicting a bit so I would challenge our church to see what we're doing about that what are the things we're doing together to be salt and light very simple question but I think it's something that we could ponder in the next month and come up with things to do not right that our good works would make us feel good but that they glorify the God our Father in heaven alright like the right view of Christ means that you do good works because because they glorify God. And along, yeah, okay, Victoria, they, you know, okay, you, that does make you feel good. Sure. But because you're glorifying God, that is it, right? And, and that might come with persecution. It might come with lots of consequences. It might not make you feel good as well. But because of your view of Christ, that'll make you have hope and rejoice. So you might not feel great, you might feel pushed down, but you're gonna rejoice in hope. 
I want to do one little quick little exercise before we close. And um, on, on NPR, if you listen to that, do you listen to NPR? So NPR has some good things sometimes. Radio Lab, they have, I really dislike the guy who organizes it, but he does a really good job. Uh, I don't like the bent and some of the theology and everything in it, uh, even morality. But it was this really interesting uh, topic on morality. So you'll listen to it, Radio Lab. And they presented, and, and this is a study that some folks uh, uh, instituted to tease out how we make moral decisions. And so you're part of this experiment right now. So you are uh, watching in the distance on a railroad track, and there's a train barreling, barreling down. It got on the wrong track, and, and it's barreling down a, a, a rail with workers on it. And there's a split in the rail, and there's five workers on one side, and there's one worker on the other. And you can't warn anybody. You're far away, and you have a lever. And you can move the lever to make it go towards the one man who will die, or let, don't move the lever and it's gonna go to the five men who die. So raise your hand, who moves the lever to just kill the one man? Raise your hand. You gotta raise your hand, there's only two choices here. Okay, good majority. Who moves the lever, or I'm sorry, who doesn't move the lever and kills five? All right, stay, stay right there for a second. All right, hold that. And now you are still, you can't warn anybody verbally, but you're in a different spot. You're standing on a bridge over the railroad tracks, and you're standing next to a person. You don't know them. It's not like your mother or anything. And you can save the worker by pushing the person over and having them die by stopping the train that way. Raise your hand if you push. I know, there's, it's terrible. These are moral choices that you need to make. Question, you know, do you save the five below? Or do you push and kill the one? Who, who would push the man? <laughs> Tim, Tim, would you tell us how it went? Okay, who, pu who, who pushes the man? Who pushes the man? Uh-uh-uh, gotta raise your hand. You're trying to debate things. That's just not how this test works. Push, well, push the man and not push the man. No, push the man. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you're like, hey, dude, ugh! You know? And uh, if you would push the man. If you would push the man. Ah, uh, that's not part of the not part of the question. But you're going in the right you're going in the right direction. Okay, so that is a test you passed according to how everyone else would respond. Most people could move a lever, but they couldn't like grab a person or something. Of course, right? I mean, who in their right mind wouldn't be a good person to say, you know, you can't like, you know, dude, I'm gonna kill you now, right? But if you've got a lever, if you got a lever, you could, right? Now that's the setup for the, for the, um, the study. And you all answered the same way. But that to me is chief preference. That's chief preference, that whole study. That moral choice. That moral choice is chief preference. It's, it's darkness because there's not another option. There is no elevated view of a Jesus Christ, Lord of all, who could be part of the equation. So here is where we are light of the world. Doesn't that like, yeah? So oh, hold on. So, so, so there's another option. You add Christ into the mix, and there's another option. You are standing there, and you're next to this person, and you have the light of Christ. You know they don't. You know those guys probably don't. You don't know what they are, but you know where you're going. My elevated view of Christ says that when I die, I'm like Paul, with, and, and you're joined with Christ. You're joined with the one you've always wanted to see anyway. You've got the opportunity. You say, hey, dude, 
you go tell those five, I'm jumping in your stead and their stead because Jesus is my Savior, I'm going to him. You look it up, I want you to read the book of John for me, and I want you to make a prayer afterwards. Would you? And then you jump. <laughs> right? Because you know where you're going. You don't know where they're going. And that's, that's where I believe we become salt and light. Right? There is something we can do because there's an answer. You think of everything we're going through in, our, in New England and the culture, abortion. They're doing, they're doing abortion because they don't, have an, they, don't have, they don't make another conclusion. Christ isn't part of the equation, therefore they're making the wrong conclusion. If he was, there is life, right? We go down every path of things that we're deciding upon in our culture, and it all makes sense without Christ. All these things do. Moral choices, and the rights we have, and political things. And it's all because there is not Christ in the equation. So how do we, as a church, as individuals, together, how do we bring Christ into those situations? And that's, that would be it for today. Any other last questions or statements? Right, right. Glorify our God. Absolutely. Bill. Yes, right. Yeah. 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 No light at all. Yeah. Thanks. And so that's that's my encouragement is that we become more obviously Christians, right? Uh, la- last thing, we did this ASP project, which is building homes in, in Appalachia. And every morning we would stand in a circle and pray. And the family that we were with prayed with us once, they were on their porch, they prayed with us. And we kind of just did this every single day for lunch and, for, and before we left, we would circle up and we would pray. It was a little awkward at times. We. You know, and then all of a sudden we started holding hands and circling up and praying. And by the end of the week, the family joined us, circled hands, and we even got Charlotte to pray with us, holding hands. We were obviously Christians, and we were obviously doing things together. We were pausing, taking time out to uh, be Christians, right? It's, it's we're doing good work, sure, but at the same time, we're giving glory to our Father in heaven. That's what it did, like the stopping, the time, the circle, the hands, the prayer is all about giving glory to God, not to us. So that would be the challenge. Let's be more obviously Christians. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. You are the light of the world. And we are so glad uh, that you have given us uh, eyes that are open to hear and see it. Help us do that today. Help us worship you in spirit and truth. And in Jesus' name.